Welcome in to Lockdown Blackhawks for Thursday, January 16th, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and your team, the Chicago Blackhawks, just picked up a win against the Montreal Canadiens, 4-1 to in Montreal. Corey Crawford continues his dominant ways. Zach Smith with a pair of goals. Drake Kajula with a goal. An all-around very solid 60-minute effort from the Chicago Blackhawks. We will break it all down as we always do. First, want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Voicemail 708-653-0572. Lots of Talk Back Tuesday stuff rolling in during this game, which is great. The more, the better. There's no too, it's never too early to get those Talk Back Tuesday questions in. So again, voicemail 708-653-0572. Email is locked on Blackhawks at gmail.com. I don't know why I said Gmail like such a weirdo there, but I did. My personal account on Twitter is at jayzawaski670. The show has an account as well, at LO underscore Blackhawks. And check out my other Hawks podcast, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. New episode will drop Thursday afternoon, probably around 2.30, 3 p.m., maybe a little bit later based on my commute. Uh, but it will be posted uh, before you leave work on Thursday, so make sure you check that out. In the meantime, Go ahead and subscribe to the Madhouse Podcast and Lockdown Blackhawks. There's also a new I'm Fat Podcast coming out tomorrow. So it's going to be a, I don't want to say a threesome with me. No one wants that. But you know what I mean. Three new podcasts for me uh, today on Thursday. So make sure you check all three out. I would appreciate it very much if you rate, subscribe, review, all those things so I can make some monies. Monies are good. I like monies and so does my family. And uh, yeah, appreciate your support. All right, let's get to it. Hawks beat the Canadians 4-1 to in Montreal, and I mentioned Corey Crawford's dominant ways. Uh, good game for him. Started off a little funky, a little wonky. T- couldn't seem to find his crease. Was kind of slow post to post, but as the game went on, Crawford uh, got better. Stopped 32 of 33 Montreal shots in his career. Corey Crawford has played eight games in Montreal. He has a 6-0-2 record and has only allowed nine goals in those eight games. In his career versus Montreal, he's 10-2-2. That is flat-out ownership of a franchise. Anytime the Blackhawks and Canadians play, Corey Crawford should be the goalie in that it's his hometown team, and for whatever reason, he knows how to beat the Montreal Canadiens better than anybody. He is incredible against that team. But look, a lot of good came out of this victory last night and what I said this morning after the Ottawa game was hopefully the Hawks can continue growing the momentum they picked up in the second half of that game against Ottawa and I know game to game momentum is sort of a probably a bit of a myth but when you finish strong you feel good and you feel good headed into the next game and I was really impressed with the Hawks effort from start to finish last night it was not just the crisp passing, but solid forechecking, finishing checks when it called for it, resisting the urge to fight back when Max Domi was mixing up with Matthew Highmore. Highmore skated away. Domi got the penalty. The Hawks scored on a power play. Boom. There you go. Alex Debrinka gets a goal. The Hawks scored a shorthanded goal, a regular strength goal, and a power play goal all in this game, and uh, they deserve to win. They were by far the better team. 
and it was just really top to bottom an impressive game. Of course, we're going to go over the pluses and minuses like we always do, but one guy I really want to isolate on in this game was Adam Boquist. I think Adam Boquist had his best game as a Blackhawk defensively in this one. Finished a minus one, but played 22 minutes and was just effective. Made a lot of smart plays with the puck. When he found himself in trouble, he got out of trouble calmly, very composed. There was one point in the second period where Alex DeBrink had put an absolute hand grenade <laughs> to Adam Boquist right in front of the Hawks' net. Boquist calmly got the puck out of danger and made a safe play. I think he was tremendous defensively in this game. Should have had an assist, but Jonathan Taves did indeed kick that goal in, so it was right to wave that goal off. But that was hit. Boquist shot on goal. That would have been the Taves goal had it counted. I just love the way he's playing lately. I think Adam Boquist had a really, really solid game. Two shots on goal, two more shot attempts for him, and a hit and a block shot. So just solid. I like the way his defensive game's coming along, and I do think being paired with Duncan Keith has been helpful for him. Uh, not only is it a guy who can lead by example on the ice and be a vocal coach while they're playing on the ice, while they're sitting out shifts together, whatever, he's got a little bit of a security blanket. He knows if he makes a mistake that Duncan Keith can probably bail him out of most situations. And that confidence has allowed him, and that faith in Keith has allowed him to open up his game a little bit more offensively, which we've talked about over the last week or so on Lockdown Blackhawks here. I really like the way Adam Boquist is playing, and I said to my wife watching this game, this kid's going to be a stud. Once all the pieces come together, and once it's all clicking for him, he's going to be a really solid all-around defenseman, and I cannot wait to see what the future holds for Adam Boquist. But got to give some other praise, too, to Zach Smith. Two goals in the first period, two goals and two shifts. He had four shots on goal uh, during the game. Just He's been a solid addition, and it's kind of gone unsung because he doesn't have a spectacular game, but I like what he's brought. And you see what Stan Bowman was trying to do when he brought in Zach Smith, aside from saving money on the cap by trading Artem Anisimov they brought in a guy who can play north and south, play through a physical game. You know, if the Hawks do make the playoffs, I think Zach Smith's value will go up a little bit because he's the kind of guy who you want in a tough, uh, tight checking game. I like his game for that. I think it's a good fit. And uh, look, he's not an all-star. He's not a superstar. He's not going to blow anybody away with his play, but he's been very dependable. And nice to see him get rewarded with a pair of goals last night. Would have been nice to see him do it against Ottawa, his old team. But I think he's done a pretty solid job considering what the Hawks have asked from him this season. So good on Zach Smith. And uh, Drake Kajula with another solid game. Not quite as great as the last one, but a goal, an assist. Obviously two points. He was a plus one. Only one shot on goal, but made a lot of things happen when he was on the ice. I like his energy. He forced that turnover that led to the goal, and uh, man, he was uh, he was solid. Really good game for Drake Kajua. So what I like about this one, yeah, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane got their points, as they always do, but for the most part, aside from the Debrinket goal, it was some, some you know secondary scoring doing things in this game, and that to me is encouraging. You've got to be able to win without your star players being your star players every night. And that's what the Blackhawks were able to do Wednesday night. Let's hope it continues on Saturday 
against the Toronto Maple Leafs. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. I'm going the first week of March, and I cannot wait for the weather, the landscapes, the outdoor adventures, the incredible food, my favorite part of any vacation. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. There are 10 stadiums all in the greater Phoenix area. They're all within 50 miles of each other. So go pick out a couple games, a couple stadiums to check out. Obviously, the Cubs are at Sloan Park. The White Sox play at uh, Camelback Ranch, which is a beautiful facility. But all the ballparks there are really cool. Go check them out. You can go see the Angels. Go see Joe Madden down there. Uh, Make sure you go check out all the restaurants and bars when the games are over. Some craft breweries, Four Peaks, Angels Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company. I had Angels Trumpet Ale House last time I was there. Really, really good. There's so much to do aside from baseball. Hiking, biking, Jeep tours, skydiving, jet skiing, taking in a sunset. No matter what your idea of a great vacation is, Arizona in the spring has you covered. Bring the kids. They can meet some players, get some autographs. And there's a ton of stuff to do. There are zoos, museums, aquariums, dude ranches. Anything you want to do with your family in Arizona is there for you. So plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. The Blackhawks defeat the Montreal Canadiens 4-1 last night in Montreal. Solid win for the Hawks. As we do after every game, we're going to go over the pluses and minuses. First plus of the game for me comes to Zach Smith. Two goals, solid performance start to finish. Uh, Not a guy who ends up on a lot of our post-game shows for any reasons really whatsoever. Not in a bad way, but he's just not the kind of guy who... Makes a ton of impact on the stat sheet, on the score sheet. But two goals, plus two, four shots on goal, three hits. Really solid game last night for Zach Smith. Liked his game a lot. Another plus is going to go to Drake Kajula. A goal, and assist, two points in 13, point, 13 minutes and 53 seconds. Only a shot on goal, but it counted, and it went in the back of the net. Nice steal there at the blue line in the third period to seal the win. For the Blackhawks. Going to give another plus to Matthew Highmore, who uh, resisted retaliating on Max Domi, leading to a Hawks power play. The Hawks scored. I thought Highmore played very physically, played aggressively, strong forechecking, uh, started a couple nice rushes the other way with his speed. Solid game for him as well. Dominic Kubalik did not get on the score sheet, but had a lot of good scoring chances. Three shots on goal, all of which were pretty high quality Uh, he was robbed a couple times so his great play continues and man the more I see of him the more I believe he is the real deal and this is something we're going to talk about a lot coming up and I think a lot next week as we're leading into the all-star break the Hawks don't play from January 22nd until February 1st it's a long time off for the Hawks. We've got a lot of time next week and the following week to sort of dive in to what this roster is going to look like in 2020, 2021, or even at the end of this season, or even at the trade deadline of this season. But the Hawks are going to have to make some decisions. And Dominic Kubalik, his future is a big one. 
How much can they pay him? How much will they be willing to pay him? Who are they willing to sacrifice to keep him around? That's a question the Blackhawks have to answer. And uh, got to answer it pretty soon because he's a restricted free agent this summer. Another guy who's going to get a plus for me. Sounds crazy, but Slater Cuckoo made some nice plays, had a decent game. Pretty impressed with the way he played. Look, third pairing guy, you know, not, you don't expect too much from him. But I think he's been better than Dennis Gilbert has, has been. And I think he's going to remain in the lineup for a while. Looking at his uh, metrics in this game, second on the team with a 64.71 Corsi 4 percentage, 11 shot attempts for six against with him on the ice. Olimata led the Hawks with 65%. And a game where the Hawks didn't really do great in the possession department despite it, again, it felt like a dominant game for the Hawks. There were some moments where Montreal started to pull away a little bit and they had some momentum for a while, but it never really felt like this game was out of hand. But the metrics tell a different story. We'll get into that next segment as we always do. Already mentioned Adam Boquist, really good game. Kirby Doc is going to get a plus from me because he was a factor in this game. I think he played well, um, was involved a lot, had a really good scoring chance there in the third period, right on the doorstep, had another really good look on the power play, and I believe it was the second period, and Doc had a puck come to him right in the slot, and he whiffed and fell over and broke his stick. You're seeing him squeeze that stick a little hard. I think the the streak is starting to get to him a little bit, but look, if he plays like he played last night, the goals are going to come. The points are going to come. I liked his game very much. There were still some of those moments where you say, boy, how do you lose that battle? Or how do you get knocked down in that situation? But those will become fewer and further between as his career develops. I liked his game last night in Montreal, so he gets a plus for me as well. And look, I think most of the team played well. Oldie Mott is going to get a plus two. He, a plus also because he was a plus two solid game for him. Now let's get to the minuses. Don't really have too many. Uh, I think Alex Neander actually played a pretty decent game, but had a couple head-scratching moments where he kind of took himself out of plays, where he's got, you know, he's got some speed, he's got some power in his skating. Go straight ahead. Go to the net. He'll often just sort of peel himself away from the middle of the ice and take himself out of a play, and uh, that's not great. You know, I know he's a he's probably going to be a perimeter player when he, uh, you know, that just sort of seems to be his style, but he's got the power. He's got the size to be a guy that can make some noise and do some damage in the slot, in the middle of the ice, and hopefully he starts to develop that part of his game. Going to give a minus to Dylan Secura. Played 10 minutes. 47 seconds, uh, only one shot attempt. It was a missed shot. Not much of a factor at all. I, I had trouble remembering he was in the lineup. Didn't play poorly, but, man, I thought once he got that first goal, we'd start to see another level from Dylan Sakura. It hasn't been there yet, so that's a little frustrating. And I want to give another minus to the Montreal Canadiens. Dale Weiss is still in hockey. Did anyone know this? Dale Weiss, the guy the Blackhawks traded for, Traded Philip Deneau, by the way, he scored a goal tonight against his former team as part of a playoff push, and boy, did that not work. 
That Dale Weiss trade was a disaster. No idea he was back in hockey. I looked him up. He played, I think, six games last year and nine this year. Maybe I have it backwards. But I saw him on the bench. I'm like, is that the same Weiss? Is that Dale Weiss? Yes, it is. And he's only 31 years old, believe it or not. I never thought I would see that guy play hockey again. But there he was, back in the red, white, and blue of the Montreal Canadiens. Next up, we will go down the number line here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. Hawks win 4-1 to one over the Canadians. Before we go down the number line, as we do after every game, well, most games, unless there's a game the next night, I want to get into a little bit of news that broke on Wednesday. Surprisingly, the Vegas Golden Knights fired their head coach, Gerard Gallant. Interesting, weird, unexpected. Yeah, Vegas hasn't had the great season that people expected them to have, but they've played pretty well. I'll have some info on the Gallant firing, what it means for the Blackhawks, if the Blackhawks will be involved on today's Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. So make sure you don't miss that. You'll want to check it out. It should be out around 2.30, 3.30, somewhere in there. But subscribe, turn on those notifications, and as soon as it's out, you will be notified. Uh, been talking to some sources around the league, around hockey, about Gallant and what it might take and what you could expect if the Hawks were to bring him on as head coach. If they want to do it, they've got to act quickly. And uh, hopefully the three-game, losing, or three-game winning streak the Hawks are on right now doesn't change their mind on trying to upgrade the team. Look, if they're going to say one goal, one goal, one goal, and one of the best coaches in the league becomes available, you have to go ask. Sort of reminds me of the Cubs and Joe Madden. Cubs were very happy with Ricky Renteria until Joe Madden became available. And I'm not saying that Gerard Gallant is necessarily the Joe Madden of hockey, but when a coach with as much success becomes available, you've got to do it. You've got to do the job. You've got to talk around the league and just inquire just see just pick some brains one more thing too before we go down the number line uh the nhl on nbc sports their pro hockey talk crew came up with a top 10 list they're calling it the power rankings of players on the move so this is players most likely to be traded by the deadline two blackhawks are on the list number six is robin Leonard. Number seven is Eric Gustafson. Now, Gustafson is not a surprise. An unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Uh, if the Hawks fall out of things, it makes sense for them to trade him. He's the guy on the roster they could probably get the most return for. Some team that feels like they need a star goalie to win the Stanley Cup might want Robin Leonard. You'd be foolish to not want Robin Leonard. And when we talk about how bare the cupboard is, and Rockford, and prospect-wise for the Blackhawks, that's a way you can quickly sort of replenish your prospect pool a little bit. You can get a good prospect and a good pick for Robin Leonard at the deadline. Eric Gustafson, I think, can get you a decent prospect back too. So if the Hawks fall out of this thing, or they don't really make any moves in the standings from now until then, if they're just sort of like hovering in the same area, They've got to make some tough decisions and swallow hard and maybe, you know, I'm throwing up the air quotes here, you know, wave the white flag, but it's not really that when you are 
acknowledging that the team is probably not a Stanley Cup contender, which we all know is true. By the way, updating you on the standings, this will be the first part of the numbers segment of the show. The Blackhawks are now four points out of the final wild card spot. Vancouver and Winnipeg hold the one and two playoff spot, uh, wild card spots. Vegas also has 54 points, just like Vancouver and Winnipeg. And then the Hawks are right behind them at 50. So now remember, Nashville has played three fewer games than the Hawks and are one point behind them. But as it stands right now, the Hawks are four points out of that last wild card spot. They're 7-3-0 over their last 10. And, you know, they've won three in a row here. And when you look back at that loss to Vancouver, which was a good game, but they lost it. The loss to Nashville, which was a close game, but they lost it. It was a 5-2 score, but Nashville scored two empty net goals. And the 2-1 loss to Calgary. Those are these, ugh, man, these what-ifs. These what-if games could make a huge difference for the Hawks. It's very jammed up. Like I said, the two wildcard teams have 54 points. The third-place wildcard team has 54 points. Calgary has 55. Edmonton has 55. They're 2-3 and three in the Pacific right now. Colorado has 56. Everyone's really bunched up. Aside from St. Louis, who has 68 points in the West, the Hawks are only 8 points behind the Dallas Stars, who have 58 points. They're the second-best team in the Western Conference. So it's, you know, and at the same time, they're not, <laughs> a couple days ago, they were close to the basement. So it's been a weird year. It's hard to get a read on the Hawks and the rest of the Western Conference, but because of that, because of the inconsistency of the division, of the conference rather, the Hawks have been able to hang around a little bit. And if you want to start thinking playoffs, which is a little crazy considering how often we've been pulling our hair out on this show, Dylan Strom's close to coming back. Brandon Saad is closest to coming back. And the hope slash fear, depending on your outlook, depending on what you think of this team, is that they get good, make some noise, get a playoff spot, make the playoffs, and don't improve the team for the future. I'm almost to the point where I'd probably prefer to trade off some assets, some veteran assets, and load up again for the future a little bit. But it's going to be really tempting for the Blackhawks to bring in that playoff revenue. And it's going to be really tempting for Stan Bowman to do what he can to save his job. It's going to be very, very interesting uh, next month or so for the Blackhawks. All right, let's go look at the um, advanced stats of this game against Montreal. Again, Hawks win 4-1. to They outshot the Canadiens 33 no, I'm sorry. They were out. They were outshot by the Canadians, 33 to 28. Montreal had 11 shots on goal and the third to the Blackhawks six. So that was the difference in the game as far as shots on goal went. Possession-wise, big win for Montreal. 60.82 Corsi four percentage for them. 39.18 for the Blackhawks. Uh, high danger chances, 12 for the Hawks, eight for Montreal. So a 60-40 advantage. For Chicago, that's how the game felt to me. I, th- I feel like that's accurate. I mentioned the two Blackhawks leaders in Corsi. Number one was Olimata, 
Number two is Slater Cuckoo. That was your third pair. Uh, 65% for Mata, 64.7% for Cuckoo. Another solid game for Connor Murphy at 53%. Kampf and Doc were both 50%. Everybody else in the Blackhawks was under 50%. Duncan Keith and Adam Boquist. Keith was a 20% Corsi. Boquist was a 23% Corsi. That ain't great. And I just sang the praises of <laughs> of Keith and uh, and Boquist, and they are the two worst guys on the team as far as Corsi goes. But if you watch the game, did you feel like they had that sort of a bad game? Didn't feel that way to me. And yeah, they played more ice time than anybody else. But that that's why you know these these numbers are a nice tool but they don't tell the whole story. Man, that's surprising. I don't know if Duncan Keith has ever had a game with a 20 Corsi percentage. That would shock me. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Lockdown Blackhawks. We'll be back on Friday with a preview of Saturday's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That one's going to be fun. Their new head coach, Sheldon Keith, has them playing a much looser style. This could be one of those 8-7 kind of hockey games, so buckle up. Get ready for Saturday's game. Make note that game's at 6 o'clock on Saturday. You're not going to want to miss it. That will be an exciting game uh, with some of the youngest and brightest stars in the league playing in that one. So join me tomorrow morning, Friday morning. Don't forget, new Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast comes out this afternoon. New I'm Fat Podcast comes out this afternoon. If you don't know the Mad the I'm Fat Podcast, me and my buddy Rick Camp from The Score, we talk about food. We do our power rankings. We talk about meal experiences. We talk about fat culture because we're two big fat guys and we love, we live the life. We don't just uh, talk the talk. We walk the walk. All right. We practice what we preach. So check out the I'm Fat podcast as well. But until Friday morning, thanks for joining me here on Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day talk to you on Friday morning.